HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. You're listening to Heritage Radio Network. Since 2009, HRN podcasts have been exploring the wide world of food, beverage, and agriculture. Learn more at heritageradionetwork.org. This episode is brought to you by Roberta's, home of Heritage Radio Network since 2009. Learn more about Roberta's at robertaspizza.com. We talk about food. We talk about music. With musical dudes. Finger on the pulse. Snacky Tunes. Hello and welcome to Snacky Tunes. I'm your host, Darren Bresnitz. We travel to two of our favorite cities, Montreal and New York to chat with co-authors of the new cookbook from Elena's Salad, Pizza, and Wine. We sit down with Stephanie Mercier-Voyer and Ryan Gray to talk about their gorgeous, delicious, life-inspiring book that captures not just the restaurant and recipes, but a real approach to living. And then we dig deep into the archives to chat with New Jersey-based blues rock trio, three question marks, all the way deep from the archives. So please sit back, relax, and enjoy Snacky Tunes here on Heritage Radio Network. One, two, three, four.
come and go, baby. Why can't you stay? Say you never leave me, darling. Then you go away. Stephanie and Ryan reporting live from the homeland of Montreal. So good to see both of you. Congratulations on the book, Salad, Pizza, Wine. And thank you for sitting down with me on Snacky Tunes. Thanks Thanks for having having us. You know, the book offers so much. I read it cover to cover. I've been telling friends about it. It's just like the type of cookbook that I love to read and to cook from. And while it does offer so much, you do have three very specific call-outs right on the title, salad, (laughs) wine. But it really does speak to, like, I have found myself, before I read the book, like, that is the hosting that we did this summer, which was, like, make pizza because I got a uni, like, make a salad and just, like, put out wine or non-alcoholic drinks of a similar vibe and things like that. Why do these elements work so well for you and why does it represent such a specific (laughs) lifestyle? (laughs) Uh, I'll, I'll take this one. Um, so (laughs) when we, when we started the company, when we started Elena, um, we were like, what is Elena about? And you know, what is Elena? What is this restaurant? Um, and we, we had this like idea of like, well, we're going to do like coffee in the daytime. We're going to do pizza and we're going to do wine natural wine in this case. And so we, when we were like developing the website and stuff like, and the Instagram handles, we like bought the domain coffee pizza wine mm-hmm. and then we made that like one of the instagram handles it's kind of like the off handle for the for like the 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 kind of takeout wine bar coffee shop that we have uh in, at the restaurant and so coffee pizza wine just became like this like people pe- we have so many names like there's the restaurant elena then there's like you know what this thing that we call ps which is like the coffee shop around back uh, but mm-hmm. a lot of people just call it coffee, pizza, wine or CSPS. And we kind of love the confusion. Like we don't correct people. Sure. People call <laughs> whatever they want. As long as they're there, we're like, that's cool. It sounds like we have more businesses than we do. Like yeah, people yeah. think it's like multiple restaurants. And I'm like, yeah, 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 totally. Um, so uh, the alliteration, coffee, pizza, wine, um, we were going to call it something honestly really dumb the book and and like because like you know like the book process takes like three years right yes and so we had this idea like it was like we like you know ink this deal like deep covid uh because we had a little bit of time and we like had done this like charity book that sold really well like to raise money for for restaurant workers that were out of work because of covid um and then like when we like came time to like actually like making the final decision we were like this title makes no sense. It's not what the book's about. It's like, it's so dumb. And then, yeah, one day I was like, I was, 
I don't know. I was like, what do people like? And I was like, everyone likes salad, you know, and we make salad. Like the book is full of salads because mm-hmm. when I go home, when I like cook at home, like the thing that I'm, I often end up cooking out of a book more than anything are like the salads or vegetable yeah. sides or things like that. Right. It's like, oh, that's cool. Like I'll do that, you know? And so we were like, okay, what sells? Like the number one selling book in Canada for the last like two years is our friend's book. It's a salad book. You know, we were like, you know what sells? Salad, salad sells. And we, <laughs> and we, and Elena had also become really well known for like the kale Caesar salad that we do, sure. the Dante salad that we do. Like it's a, it's a humongous, people talk about like, you know, it's a pizza, it's a pizza restaurant or whatever. But like the truth is like Elena is like the restaurant that the kale Caesar salad built, you know, like mm. it's like, it's like, it, 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 it's equally important to like the identity of the restaurant was like the set the, were the salads that we were doing, you know? And so that's how it came to be. Like it was like coffee, pizza, wine was the, you know, is like kind of the, the, the masthead for what the, the company is. And then salad, pizza, wine is what the book's about. Easy. I love it. Yeah. I mean, definitely if you're working a pizza oven or do something that's a little bit more labor intensive, just knowing how to throw a good salad together instead of laboring over vegetables, which you're like, if you have good vegetables, you're sort of getting the same thing. You're just running a little heat through them it's just like just mm. make the vinaigrette in the bowl throw it all together plate it up keep it in the bowl whatever there you, go. you know yeah. it all works together you guys and you know, like, so, oh, sorry, and we also want to make sure like it wasn't uh it wasn't specifically a pizza book either you know like it's like sure. there's so many good like especially in the last like two years like you know uh katie and, and dan dan wrote that Falco. great book, Falco has a book. Yeah. Like, yeah. there's so many uh you know our friend joe Badia wrote a great book a few years Shout ago too. And, like yeah and so like we were like we don't want it to be like a technical pizza book because they exist and they're really good and then uh so like this is like yeah like of course our dough recipes in there like uh, the way that we do our pizzas in there because it's sure. a huge again part of our restaurant but it wasn't that it's not the only thing like that that this book's about no, and I think the book really does represent a certain lifestyle, approach to life, which you specifically call out because you've been, both of you have been in the industry for so long and you came together after like this pre-pandemic, but like burnout stage. I think a lot of people were sort of going through like, you know, in the mid-teens, whatever that weird time was of like, post-golden age, pre, you know, like we didn't know what was coming. And everyone was looking for this way of having a guide to a fuller life, which is what you call out in the beginning of the book. So why was that important to you to put in what essentially was a cookbook about your food, about saying like, this is more than that. This is this is a lifestyle guide, not just a cookbook. Yeah, I think like a lot of the cookbooks that Ryan and I and like the whole team liked are books that are not just a restaurant cookbook, but that tell a story or, or kind of the ethos of a place. And I think, I don't know, it was a very special time in mm-hmm. all of our lives when Elena opened. I was sad. Marley was sad. Like a lot of us were yeah. sad. Yeah, sure. and, <laughs> and I think, uh, and Ryan had been sober for a few years. And I think we, we like saw the opportunity to start a restaurant that felt different. Um, Ryan has this thing, and I think it's in the book at some point about like the DNA of a restaurant that you open a restaurant and it's kind of like a person it's born with a certain set of DNA. And no matter like how many changes that you try to implement, like six years into the restaurant at its core, you can't change what the restaurant was at the beginning. Um, and so with Ellen, I was like starting from scratch, like what kind of life do we want to live like working here and what kind of lifestyle do we want to promote 
with the restaurant. Like we don't want the staff to get, get absolutely blasted after work, like the sure. way that we did uh, years ago. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I think it was fun to share that story in the book so that it's not just like the restaurant open in this year. And then sure. we like made these recipes and these have been the things. Um, and we're all like best friends. So it was fun to be able to share, you know, our little stupid jokes and goofs and all of that, but tell a bigger story as well. No, it's I great. It, it's a time so, capsule. Uh, it is yeah. totally a time capsule. And I think that like, you know, to, just to like, uh, you know, kind of uh, elaborate on what Steph just said, the, 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 there was a very specific moment in time where things were really changing and we could feel that happening. We were feeling that like personally as well. Um, you know, you talk about the golden age. Yeah. Well, we missed that. So, Sure. You know, like we blew it. Uh, And then we had COVID. So yeah, like whatever good thing we had going in 2018, 2019, like that sucked too. Being a restaurateur these days, honestly, uh, definitely sometimes wish I'd been born like a decade earlier Mm. to have like opened 10 years earlier and like, you know, like been part of like, you know, a moment where like people used cash and like, you know, like the, we didn't, you know, whatever. But at the same time, at the same time, the truth is, like, we saw the, we felt it, like, and it was happening that, that, like, there was something really wrong with the way that things had been for so long. And we had this, like, opportunity to start fresh. Um, you know, again, like Steph mentioned, like, I've been sober for a few years. Like, um, I had, you know, kind of uh, done a reckoning with, like, who I, I had been and, 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 like, the behaviors that I had learned. And then, you know, we wanted to try and figure out a way to have a restaurant that was like actually a healthy place for people to, to work, where people could work for a long time, where people who had families or kids or whatever could like actually have like a sustainable and like relatively sane and like kind of healthy environment, you know, like, and like, you know, that was the goal when we set out. And so like, you know, we tried to also like, that's, that's why like, you know, that's all part of the book too. Yeah. I mean, it's, it really is just, a love letter, I think, to like what you built and the city of Montreal and leaning into like some of the aspects that people may not be familiar with. And I think one of those things is pizza. I mean, honestly, like I grew up going to Montreal multiple times a year. I think I've only ever had pizza pizza as (laughs) like my, which for those who don't know is like an, I mean, it's an interesting take on pizza and things like that. Um, that's that's a polite way to put it's it. A, it's a interesting polite way, take on an interesting take. But like when you really think about what Montreal has to offer with like the Jean-Claude market and like all these different ingredients, you start to see those parallels between like what you could get in Italy and seasonal other places that are like, we do have this fresh cuisine. We do have this light cuisine. Um, how did you want to tell people outside of Montreal what everyone who's ever been there knows about it? Interesting. Um, I think that what we wanted to do is was was also show them this other side of them that they didn't necessarily know about, because I think that the reputation that Montreal had uh, up until, let's say, you know, very recently is like this like gluttonous city. You know, it's like the Anthony Bourdain, like death by food, uh, sure. you know, thing. Like, I think that that was the food scene um, that like made Mo- that like kind of put Montreal on the map. Uh, Joe Beef, like, all that stuff. Of yeah. course. Of course. And, you know, like for us, like. Elena represented like a chance to also very much like you just said, like go lean into this, like 
more Italian idea of like of cooking with like, you know, from the market and like really hyper seasonally um, working really closely, which is not an Italian thing at all, despite many people's best efforts working with small farms, which we do at Elena almost exclusively, you know, whether it's from like the flour that we use for the pizza, which is local and like freshly milled or, you know, from like like almost everything that goes on the pizzas and, and the salads in the summertime. Um, you know, so like that was kind of what we wanted to do was like with Elena is like show the city first that like this was possible and then also develop like a world-class, you know, sourdough pizza place with like an unbelievable natural wine program, um, you know, that could like rival any place really um, doing that kind of thing in the world. And to be honest, like there was like only like a few, a handful of people doing that at the time. There was Mike at Ops, obviously, yep, yep. Um, you know, who was like, who was, you know, doing that. But like, there weren't many people that had the same kind of um, idea of uh, in, like quality of ingredients, uh, thoughtfulness of the wine program, uh, thoughtfulness of the, of like, you know, certainly like with like the, the environment that we were creating. Um, and then like the work with small farms, you know, like, and, and have that all go through pizza, which everyone loves, you know? So like the, the crazy thing is, is like, is like, it's it's kind of like this way of like feeding kid a kid medicine, you know, like yes. like pretending it's right. something else. Like right. we're like we're like, hey, it's it's pizza, it's natural wine, it's fun. Like these are all things you like already. We're just gonna do it with better ingredients and support local farms and like try and pay our staff better and not yell at them, you know. Like and right. then like, the crazy thing is, is like I'd say that you know you whenever you're like trying to like tell people like, Hey, this is what we're about. Like, there's a risk that like all of a sudden you're like either virtue signaling or they're like, they, they tune you right. out because it's yeah. too much. Yeah. And so we just were like, cool, we're just going to keep doing this thing. We don't need to like shove it down people's throats. And I'd say that there's maybe 10% of the people that are like, wow, those people work really well. And the other 10 are like, I like pizza. And either way we win. You know what I mean? Like, it's like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. it's like, it's great. It's like, you know, like we're doing the right thing. We're really proud of how, of, of like how we work. And then also people like pizza. So we're busy, you know, like that's like kind of the, the secret to the success there. Yeah. It's a, it's a great way to sneak in those virtues through the guise of a good time without yeah. it being like this, like hedonistic, hedonistic experience, which I definitely have had going to Montreal. And now that I'm older, two kids, I'm like, I, I don't want to, and can no longer do that. Like, Let's bring the family and go hang out at like a place you know, that's built by people who have families. That's, that's so funny because like nowadays, like I see like all the people that I used to like take yeah. on these like crazy, like hedonistic adventures through Montreal. Like now it's like, you know, like people like Peter Meehan come with, with his kids yeah. at five o'clock and I'm like, Hey, cool. It's so great to see you like in this context, as opposed to like, you know, <laughs> sleeping sleeping at like, you know, like the Cantonese restaurant at four in the morning. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, all right. I want to take a little break. And then when I come back, I want to talk about more of the details of the book, the design, the writing style, and, um, you know, the, the shift in culture that you're trying to see that we just sort of talked about. We have a song from the archives here on Snacky Tunes on Heritage Radio Network.
Welcome back to Snacky Tunes. We're here with Stephanie and Ryan, the co-authors of Salad, Pizza, Wine. And as I was saying, I absolutely love the book. And I want to talk a little bit about the writing style because I have always been a fan of like the parenthetical jokes or sides of a sentence setup and then like a sub comment afterwards. Um, which actually I, I do a lot in my writing, but I haven't seen a lot in a cookbook writing because it's definitely a big swing, but it really works. How did you approach writing the book and how did you approach on the style and the tone of what you wanted to tell? I feel, I feel like it sounds very much like us. Mm. I think that's how, that's how we speak to each other. That's how we text each other. And I don't think I even gave it much thought it, it kind of just happened you sure. know like that that's kind of how I write and yeah that's the way we joke around and uh the way that we did the the writing like the head notes and all the things mm-hmm. is we since it was COVID and we did a lot in person at the beginning but then I moved to New York like halfway through the writing of the book and so then we did the rest on Zoom but we would just sit down for hours and go through like different pieces and just talk. And I was like, okay, so this recipe, what's the joke for this one? Mm-hmm. What's, <laughs> what's the story? And then we would add, you know, the more practical things about the recipe, but we really wanted, wanted it to be like, what's the joke with this? What's the funny story? What's the thing that's engaging? Or like, what does it remind us of? Um, yeah. And that's kind of what happened. We just sat and just a bunch of friends, um, yeah, saying a bunch of random things and then writing it down and making it sound like actual sentences instead of just ranting. And it feels like that. It feels like a conversation among friends that you get to be a part of, which is a really nice um, inclusion. And I mean, I haven't, I don't really laugh when I read cookbooks, but I did think the section on roasting people, because I was like, oh, like, what a, I was like, oh, this really isn't in the meat section, but I guess maybe we're going to talk about vegetables. And then I realized, <laughs> It was about roasting people. Uh, I'd love, um, I'd love to hear some of the rules from two of the people who wrote them of roasting <laughs> and the art of it, especially in the in a workplace where you're trying to like respect everyone and and not upset anyone. It's yeah. it's such a delicate balance. I don't yeah, remember exactly word for word what I what what we ended up writing in it, but it's such a delicate balance. When I started especially when I like moved to New York and met a whole new mm-hmm. group of people. Mm-hmm. And I have been in Montreal for so long. And, you know, Ryan, everyone at Elena is like family. It's people I've known forever. So there's places we can go with the roasting that I can't, you can't go there with people you've just met because you don't yeah. know them and you don't know each other's boundaries. And it's all about like, you know, figuring out what people's boundaries are and that it needs to come from a place of love. Because if you're just saying things and you don't respect the other person and you don't love them, then you're just bullying and you're just being a bit. <laughs> <laughs> and so you like need to have that base level of understanding with someone that it comes from a place of love. <laughs> yeah. I think that like it makes it more difficult even as an owner today, like, you know, I'm, mm-hmm. I find myself being so hyper aware of everything I say, do, um, you sure. know, like the, the, even like, you know, the slightest like perception that like something could be inappropriate, you know, and then how do you fit in like the best burn <laughs> within that context? You right. know what I mean? like, right. Because also like, that's like, the truth is like, you know, 
our job, we're so lucky to work in restaurants because it's fun. Like, and it should be fun. If you take the fun out of it, like, you know, and what I'm saying is like what, what was happening before might have been fun for certain people in certain moments. But overall, yes. if you look back, you're like, holy fuck, that was really bad, you know? For um, a lot of people, and, yeah. yeah, for a lot of people. And like, and, you know, the things that we did and the things that we, we like got away with were like, we're like, we're, we're so are so far away from like what is acceptable now and like what I would even, what I would determine what I would deem acceptable, like as an employee or, or from a boss, you know? And so like, so like there is like this constant threading of the needle nowadays to like, to like be able to like have fun with people and like, you know, be funny um, and keep like the room, the, like the, the atmosphere, like uh, relatively light, um, you know, because like at the end of the day, like we're not performing like open heart surgery, like we're bringing people food, you know, like you're bringing people pizza and they're there <laughs> to have a good time. And I, and I do believe like, you know, I'm not like a huge, like, I don't, you know, I don't like come from the school of, of, uh, of, you know, like the, uh, what's his name? Sorry. Uh, like, like I, I believe some things like, you know, like Will Gadara and people like that. Yeah, are, are, yeah, I think yeah. that there's a lot of, there's a lot of very positive lessons in, in that. But like, I don't think that like a dogmatic philosophy about that stuff. Sure, like, sure. It's like, it's like you, you kind of end up taking yourself too seriously. And at the end of the day, like people are there to have a good time. And the one thing that I really do love though, is the idea that like, if the staff is happy, then the guests will be happy, you know? And if you have mm-hmm. a, a staff and, and a team that's like, you know, like, that's that feels challenged and 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 engaged and you know like respected and can have a good time together on the floor or like before service or whatever like at staff meal like that stuff is like really special because then they go into service and then they bring like a positive energy and then like you know that is transmitted to the guests and i do believe that that is a hundred percent accurate and i think that that's like one of the most important things so like we always try and create and keep this environment that's like you know positive yeah yeah no, and in the, in the specific- and, jokes are, and jokes are a part of it, and yeah. like, and you know, like you know, you have to know your audience. Like, there are people that can handle getting roasted. There are people that are really good at it, you know, yeah. and they're kind of take it for the rest of the team. And like, you know, that I think that that's like that's that's really part of it. Like, there's so much sociology that goes into like you know, like how we manage people at this point. And mm-hmm. you know, like great coaches today. They don't sure. just, they don't just give one message to the whole team. Like they're like, they're they're yeah. yeah, exactly. You know what I mean? It's this guy needs to be built up. This guy needs to be taken down yeah. a little bit. This guy needs to, to be challenged more. You know, it's like, that's how we have to do it. You know? I mean, and it's so, a, like, I think, I think it's mentioned, I think I, I say that in the book, but like what makes a rose special or a joke mm-hmm. about someone or to someone special is, is it makes the other person feel seen. Like yes. you've like really yeah. gotten to know them, like almost like you did research on like what they like and the little specific things and like i think like when you watch even just a comedy roast that's what makes it a, a yeah. good joke from like a a very obvious one is someone who knows the audience but also knows the person and can find those little things that's going to make them tick because the joke should be shared with the person you're roasting not you're not Everyone laughing else. at them yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Also, yeah i think you have to be yeah. open to getting roasted too like i, I like i as like as like the old guy now in at the restaurant, <laughs> like I, 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 I like get a lot now. And I, I honestly, like, I think it's the best. Like, so like, I think that that's also good. You need to encourage that, like, you know, like these things, like, obviously there's always a line to like, for the most part, like, you know, like I'm, I, you can say pretty much anything to me and like, I'll generally find it very funny. <laughs> I mean, I think it's, it's just a really great to recreate the experience and the environment 
of being at the restaurant and passing on that vibe through the book, knowing they're like, hey, joking is a part of what we do. I think another great way that you expand on the experience of, of the restaurant through the book is the design, because a lot of what the colors and the photos, when I think about like the hoagies and like some of the other stuff, and then also like the color blocking and things like that match a lot of what I believe was Kyle who did the design for the yeah, restaurant. Kyle did the design of the restaurant, yeah. Kyle Gordon, um, really great why did you want to tie them together? You know, sometimes like they do exist as two separate entities, the book and the restaurant, but how did you bring it all together and, and how is that working with like the design of the book to make sure that you did capture the essence of the restaurant? Uh, I think we were very lucky with the design. Well, Ryan, you can go. I, yeah, I was just going to say, like, I think that our photographer really helped a lot with that because mm-hmm. she was the – Dom LaFont is the is our photographer for the book, but she was also our photographer um, who did all of the, basically the photos that we use for Instagram and kind mm-hmm. of really created, created this, like, uh, visual identity for the restaurant early Imagine. on. Yeah. And so we were lucky because – lucky. <laughs> we were so lucky that our restaurants were shut down during COVID. Um, but, like, <laughs> but, uh, but Dom was available, and we started doing a lot of work together – doing photo shoots like everyone was doing, you know, like basically we're promoting everything through Instagram at that time. Sure. Uh, we'd already been working with her before. And then we like, we, we really started working. Like we worked a lot together during, during like the lockdown periods, which we had lots of here in Quebec. Um, and then that visual identity, this like high res, like really bright, mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. colors that popped, you know, it, it was our food, but it was also what, how, how uh, Dom kind of interpreted it. And like, we, we always loved what she did. And then, so obviously with this project, we were like, well, we want it to be her because she is the voice or the, the like visual identity. Um, mm-hmm. And so I think that like bringing her in, we already had this like bright, colorful, very like beautiful kind of, you know, room that people didn't expect uh, maybe for a pizzeria. Um, and then like, you know, the photos and then all of that coming together, like made sense for the book to like follow suit, you know. Sorry, Steph, I didn't mean to cut you off. No, 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 that's great. Um, I think we were, like, in terms of, like, the design of the book, it was great to be able to start with, you know, a restaurant that already has such a strong visual identity Mm -hmm. and, like, colors that are established. It was great for the designers to be able to, like, jump off of that. And then we had done um, two mini cookbooks during uh, COVID to raise, like Ryan was saying earlier, to raise money for uh, restaurant workers who were out of work. Uh, because of the shutdown. So they also were able to like pull off of what we had, you know, attempted to design using InDesign and our very like basic skills. Um, and they, yeah, the designers at Random House kind of just captured it perfectly with like the, mm-hmm. the graphic elements. And then all the illustrations are done by um, our very good friend, Emily Campbell, who uh, I live with and is in the other room right now, probably listening. Um, but Hi, yeah, it does it that Hi, like uh, <laughs> uh, Dom taking the photos of someone we had worked with for years. Emily, we've known for, you know, over a decade as well. And so it's like a very like close project that we worked together. So it felt, I don't know, everything made sense. Yeah. I mean, you definitely get this insight of the group you put together, but then also like what you've learned through the process of opening a restaurant uh, the in the um one of the things that i remember is in the diablo 2.0 how you talked about how you're like making all the pepperoni in house and everything from scratch and then you're like this is nuts and there's a few instances of like that where you share a little bit of peek into the behind the curtain where it wasn't perfect there is a process 
why put that in a cookbook where you're supposed to be the expert? Like why show how the literal sausage was made and then how you got someone else to make the sausage because that was too nuts to do it in the house? I mean, I think like a big part of this cookbook is is the idea of like not taking yourself too seriously mm-hmm. and not trying to appear like we're this perfect example of how we're supposed to do things. It's mm-hmm. about like, you know, living and learning. And I think it's I think it's funny also to be like, hey, we try to do this. We wanted to be this at this level where like, no, we're going to do everything ourselves and it's going to be like that. And we're going to put our head down. We're going to push and work really hard. And then you're like, wait a second, let's take a step back. It doesn't have to be that way. We can like just source it from our friends. It also we, wasn't way it better wasn't, product. Than it wasn't better is like the worst part. You know, like we were making pepperoni and we were like ki- <laughs> killing ourselves. And we had like, you know, we had like a full time, like basically charcutier, like on staff for pizzeria, <laughs> You know, like, and, and, and by the end, we were so, we were getting really, when we were getting really busy, I say the end, like by the time, you know, before we moved on, it was like, we we're getting really busy. And he spent almost all his, like the whole time working for us, just making pepperoni. And we were like, <laughs> like, you know, like this makes no sense. And like, it's not that good. You know, like, like, I think, like our, our friend, we have all these friends that have like, you know, and, I, and at that time, like, you know, we worked with like, uh, we were working with, or we still work with them, but for the pepperoni was with. Or it still is with Lawrence Butcher Butcher Shop, mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. Lawrence Restaurant, um, Lawrence Larry's, and then Bushki Lawrence, okay. and like they're like they're so good at what they do, and we're already sourcing like like the meat from from them, and like you know we love them, and and like and then we're like man, like they already make this stuff, and it's so much <laughs> better than ours, yeah. you know, yeah. and like then like when you actually look at it, sometimes it's like it's interesting because because like they're set up to just do sausage and like charcuterie and things like yeah. that, butchery. It's like, the, it's actually cheaper to also just buy it from them, you yeah. know, like, and so it's like, we're getting a better product and it was less than we were spending on like basically having a full-time person just like Cranking trying to do it in our space, you know? Um, yeah. Anyway. So yeah, that was a lesson learned. I mean, <laughs> you know, uh, one of many, many, <laughs> Um, speaking of education and learning about stuff, you know, look, one of the one of the words, one of the focuses in the title of wine, uh, you talk about, Ryan, specifically your education with wine, because a lot of times when you pick up a book like this, again, you're like, I'm getting an expert guide to wine. And the person who's writing this is born an expert. But you really do you talk about two things, which was unexpected. One which was like, I had to learn about wine. I didn't just wake up one day and know all about this. And two, you talk about your sobriety and how the sobriety actually made you appreciate it even more. And I just love to know why you want to include both that that novice to expert and also the sobriety passage in a book that focuses on, you know, such a, a gateway alcohol in this industry. Because you go out, you're like, oh, we'll have a bottle, who cares? And Next thing you know, you're doing like shots at four in the morning in some dive bar. Every time. Every time. <laughs> uh, that's literally my my experience of like, the, you just described like 15 years of my life. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I, was, I, I was there too. Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, so I think that the first thing is like with wine, I think wine, like I've spent, I feel like I've spent most of my career trying to like, um, trying to make people more comfortable with wine, you know, because I feel like there's just this stigma and this like idea that like you know it's like this like very scary thing and the more afraid people are the more like they push back and then the more that they they like tend to like you know cling to the thing that they know so like if they don't understand anything on your wine list and you and like this all 
also comes about because like I happened to, you know, get involved in, in wine around the time that we didn't use the word natural, but there was like this huge sure. shift happening yeah. and this groundswell around like these like small producers doing this really cool stuff. And I was certainly on board with that from the very beginning. Um, that was like, you know, I like found my, my like niche in the, in the industry. And so like, I was really trying to also like introduce this kind of very new thing to uh, people, a lot of whom had a lot of money and who like had a lot of like, you know, tastes and opinions that were well established. And so like, I felt that like, it was really important to always kind of come at it with this thing. Like nobody knows everything about wine. Sure. It's a, it's, sure. a, it's, there's always this process of learning that's happening. And I try and always explain this to, to my staff. It's like, it's like, Hey, like no one knows everything. And, you know, even within the people that know everything, there's still a level of subjectivity to all of this. Right. So like it, 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 you always have to remain super open and super humble. I was taught early on when I went to, you know, hotel, uh, like hotel restaurant school and like I studied wine, it was like, you have to be humble when you're doing tasting. Mm. You have to be willing to be wrong so that you can understand like what you're, what you're experiencing, you know, like also like you might think that this thing is a blackberry and they might think it's something else. And like, who really cares at the end of the day? Like it doesn't <laughs> really matter. You know what I mean? It's like, because like, and like, you know, it's, I, I never like to talk about like descriptors of like what a wine tastes like or smells like at a table, because then you're just like giving that, like, then people are just like frustrated that they can't sure. understand that too. You know, sure. so like, I love to come at it from a place of like, I love to tell a backstory about a wine that we're serving, you know, like who the producer is, maybe a funny anecdote about something that happened, like when they came to Montreal or like when I went to visit them or whatever. And I try and like make it very human. And I try and think about wine also like the way that this is nowadays, like try to really think about wine the same way that we work with like our local farmers and stuff. It's yeah. like, they're these, these people for the most part are, are grape growers, you know, that like, and yeah. like, they're, like, you know, like it's a, it's a very like, like at its base, like a humble and like, you know, uh, 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 a really um, uh, like kind of beautiful work that they do that isn't like hype. You know what I mean? Like they don't experience the hype most of the time. They're just no, like, no, they're no. like in the countryside, you know, like, like worrying about like, you know, is it going to hail or rain or whatever? Or like, you know, like it's like, like, and then like all of this craziness around it. And like, yeah. So I really like to break it down. I really like to make people feel comfortable at tables about the wine. I don't like to make them feel stupid. You know, like I did that when I was young and insecure, like I would make people feel dumb and like it didn't, sure. didn't work very no. well. It's better. It's better to just be like, Hey, look, you like to drink big, heavy reds. I'll get you the biggest, heaviest red I have. It doesn't right. matter if, you know, like, like I'm going to do my best to accommodate what your tastes are. You know, if I can, if you're open and you want to experience something new and you want me to take you on a, on a trip with this, I absolutely will. Um, so that's like, you know, as far as like that, like, I think that it's important that people remember that like, yeah, everyone, like no one knows everything. There's so much to learn You never learn everything. So like be humble, be open. Um, so that's the first part. And then the second part about sobriety is like, the truth is because it's such an important part of my life and, you know, so yeah. much of my life and, and life experience went into Elena, you know, Elena feels very personal um, mm -hmm. because, you know, we opened it a very kind of, you know, uh, like special time, interesting time in my life as well. Um, where like, I felt like I could do anything for the first time, maybe in my whole life, adult mm -hmm. life, I could like, there was like a, a, a limitless kind of possibility to what I could like to like, take on and, and achieve. And, and, you know, I just had this amazing fire inside because, you know, because I've been sober and because I'd like really done like a lot of, a lot of work on myself, 
Um, and so, you know, um, talking about it, uh, I think is important also to like help destigmatize, you know, cause like this industry mm-hmm. is still like very, it's still, it still is stigmatized. Although like, thankfully way less, but like when I got sober, like th- th- I knew one person who was sober in the restaurant industry it was Maddie Matheson. He mm-hmm. happened to be a friend because we did an early show he had on vice called yeah. hangover cures. And he was like, <laughs> he needed someone to get wasted with him. So that then he could go the next day and have a hangover cure meal. And I was thinking like his first phone call for like Montreal. Cause he's like, I know someone who will get wasted with me. Right, you right, know? Right. Like, actually, Steph was a producer on that show too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I was with the vice team at the time. Yeah, it's, yeah, like, yeah. It's, like, it's like, it was like, you know, he was the only person I knew that was sober. I didn't know anyone in Montreal that was sober when I got sober. And so like, it was a, it was like a weird kind of lonely place. And now there's, now, like we talk about it, there's yeah. open. We host like an incredible meeting uh, at one of my restaurants on Monday nights called Remise en Place that is like focused on industry people. Again, like, like you know, like there's place for the, in this industry for sober people, and like I think that you know, like there's place in wine for sober people. Like, yeah. And I, I honestly, like when I was drinking, like I could I could tell you what I liked. I could I could understand maybe what you wanted to drink or what would go with your food, you know. But like. But like, I wasn't really like, I feel like I wasn't digesting like the bigger picture of like, you know, the humans behind it. Um, You know, like, uh, really like, I don't know, I I came to appreciate it all more, uh, the process a lot more once I got sober. Um, Up until then, it had always been like really, really muddy and like cloudy as to like my job and my drinking, you know, it was never like, like, oh, wow, like, there's like, you know, partying and there's like the job of being like a wine director. It was all one and the same to me forever. And it was only after, it was really only after I got sober, I was like, Oh my God, like I can do this job and not get hammered. Like, you know, like, like they're two separate things. Yeah. Um, and and yeah. it took, it took me getting sober to, to figure that out. No, I mean, it's just, I mean, it's about being the part of the community, right? It's about like, where's my sure. community? How do I fit in? How do I support others? And, you know, throughout our conversation, throughout the book, you talk about the farmers, the winemakers, the guys who make your pepperoni, like all this stuff and letting, letting Elena and even and in the book, like letting the community shine, like being a, being a, a space to give those people space for their products or for their stories. How has this, how is this, I don't want to say like benefited you. Cause like, that's not the right way to say like, we're letting people shine and that benefits us. But like, how has that brought everyone and everything together and become such a big tenant of, of what you stand for as a restaurant and as a company? Well, um, I, I think that, you know, if we feel good about what we're doing and like what we're like, what we're putting out, like we're so, so I'm like a 90, a nineties kid. Sure. And like, I'm I like, see I, I, yeah, like, you know, like, I, and, and the worst thing you could be is a sellout. Sure. Like, you know what I mean? Like, and so I, that I don't doesn't exist it, anymore. That concept. Yeah, I know, I know, I know. And, 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 and it really is a, a mind fuck to like, to actually like still think that way. Okay. Mm-hmm. And be trying to grow a business and promote it on social media and, 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 but then be like, but how do we keep it real? So that I'm still engaged and still <laughs> like it. You know what I mean? So that the bigger they don't judge us. Exactly. Why I, do I care? But like, that's it, just like how I'm wired 
It's like and so hardwired in me. And we'll so set like, up another support group for that. We'll yeah. find all the kids <laughs> in the 90s. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I talk to my therapist about this a lot. Um, but, you know, like the so the, that's that's a huge part of it for myself and for my partner, Marley. It's like if we can con- if we can continue at its at the core to like use these great products and support small farmers and whatever, then like we're we're really proud of what we're doing. You know what I mean? And no matter how big it gets, as long as we don't change these kind of like these like fundamental like tenants that this whole thing is built on. And like, like, and it sort of goes with my sobriety too. It's like, you know, like I, I live a, a much better life because I stopped drinking, but it means that I'm like, you know, I'm accountable and I'm honest and I'm all these things. Mm-hmm. And like, you know, when, when you start to like erode like anything, like you can kind of see where like, it's like, you can kind of see where this could end up and like in sobriety, you know, it's like you, 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 you know, you start to lie, you start to do this, you start to do that. And then all of a sudden it's like, the, the leap to then like using again or drinking again doesn't seem that, that, that big. And it's, I feel it's the same way with Elena too. It's like, as long as, you know, like it, the restaurant that we can do books, we can do this, we can do that. It's like, but like at its core, like if we keep the fundamentals, like, like the same, you know, it's, a, we do like natural 11 pizza from like local yeah. flour with like the best ingredients. And it's like, and we come back to that all the time. So when we, are faced with a question, should we do this partnership? Should we do this event that they're asking us to, should we do this? You know, we're like, we're like, does it align with our core values at the end? And, and, and so many times we make the decision, no, we're not going to do this because it doesn't align with these values Mm -hmm. because the values haven't changed, you know? And so like community is a huge part of that. And like us supporting farms, uh, like our local farms, that's that's part of it. Us supporting our friends, like the winemakers, that's part of it. It's a community. We're building community. You're totally right. It's always been part of the goal. You know, like we're trying to again with our with our with our staff, with our team, always trying to like support them, let them grow from grow within. Uh, you know, go on to do other product uh, projects, hopefully, and then like support them there too. You know, like that's how we really build this community out of this thing. And so like we have benefited because we've been we've been. I think that the quality of the product has stayed sky high from basically the time we figured out how to make pizza. So mm-hmm. let's say not quite the beginning, <laughs> but like, you know, like yeah, once yeah, we figured yeah. out what we were doing um, and like, you know, we kind of got the restaurant dialed in, like, you know, the quality has remained super high, the ingredients, like everything, like we, we, we still put such an emphasis on like on that and then how we treat people and then, you know, like doing everything almost in house. And if we're not, we're outsourcing it to someone who also is doing it really, really well you know, with like the same care and level. So like all of these things, then like, yeah, make it so that it's really busy. And like I said, probably most of the people that come there don't know or care, you know, like, but like at the end of the day, the right. food is delicious. So like they come back, you know? Yeah. And so like that, that's how I think that we have managed to be successful. And I managed to like, also like live within this like crazy thing of like not selling out and being successful. But like, you know, then like people are like, "Hey, why don't you open an Elena in Toronto?" And I'm like, "Ah, no, I could never do yeah. that." Like, you know, like it's like impossible to think about. Right. We could I'm, I'm like, I'd really much rather open like a ten seat restaurant that no one wants to go to that won't make any money. Please, you know. What, what are you gonna open Schwa Montreal? I mean, Schwa is yeah. not the right thing, but you know what I mean. It's just yeah, like, yeah, 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 well, like, yeah. You know, like that's like like. And, but, you know, you also can't make the perfect enemy the good. And, like, you have to, like, you know, you know, we're, we're, we have a lot of people now that are also dependent on us. Like, there's, you yeah. know, we employ, we employ, you know, like, 
I, I across the three restaurants over a hundred people, and it's like you know you 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 need to also be busy, and so how do you? Yeah. How do yeah, you juggle I, it? I I go to therapy. <laughs> well, listen. Congratulations on the restaurant. Congratulations on the book. I, I love it. It's on the shelf. I'll be cooking from it. Um, if people want to get the book or check out the restaurant, where can they go? How can they follow along? How can they see all the beautiful photos? Uh, I mean, the book is available uh, all over uh, all the finer books, bookshops, cookbook stores. Um, I think it's, it's definitely now serving LA in LA. Uh, it's, at all, it's, it's honestly, we've been, we've had so much support uh, across like the U S and Canada in all like the small independent uh, bookstores. And like, we obviously would encourage everyone to support your local small independent bookshop. And if you don't see our book, please ask for it. Uh, I got mine out you. there, Rick. Yeah. There you go. There you go. That's great. Yeah. It's a, it's available also on the Elena website. If you're in Canada and want to get it. And then if you're in New York, I know our friends at Ops and Leo mm-hmm. um, just picked up a bunch of cases from my house a few days ago. So they <laughs> have them. And uh, uh, also Arcus- Archistratus in Greenpoint. But uh, it's been so great to get. I, I have friends who have been, you know, over the summer gone on road trips across the states and they'll be in like Arkansas at a and they'll see the book in the window. And I'm like, how? How? <laughs> I mean, how? Really, and really it's amazing. Much, it feels yeah. great. But I'm always like, wait, what? It's in the window. That's so crazy. <laughs> Our little it's a book. book. Yeah. It's a great book. It's a great like come hang out with us. It's the pink cover and the the three three things that people love. Well, listen, uh, yeah. Brian, Steph, thank you so much for stopping by. Congratulations. And I hope that I get back to Montreal and New York very soon. And I will see both of you there when I do. Okay. Thanks for having us. Thank you so much. Yeah, of course. We have another song from the archives and then a live performance here on Snacky Tunes on Heritage Radio Network.
My name is Brandon Boy, co-owner of Roberta's, a super duper awesome place. Roberta's is a very, 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 very proud sponsor of the Heritage Radio Network. We're also super awesome. Thank you, Heritage. Welcome to Snacky Tunes. This is Jeet, and I'm here with a former student of mine, Kyle. How you doing, buddy? Hey, how's it going, man? Nice to see you. When when did we meet? We must have met like about a year ago now, right? Yeah, I think it was probably last fall. Yep, yep. I uh, I guess I guess we were doing um, Pro Tools or something. Was that? Yeah, man. Yeah, man. <laughs> Audio recording. That's the one. And I came to find out that you're in this pretty cool, jammy, blues, grassy band. And I was like, you know what? Let me reach out to him and see if he's down to do some snacky tunes. So let's course, uh, let's start with like, like, what's your background, man? How'd you get into music? How'd you end up at Rowan? Yeah, so I started uh, actually, it's funny because it's probably a pretty usual story, but I started playing music when i was in high school you know i was listening to all the uh mm-hmm. the old classic rock bands like led zeppelin uh pink floyd is probably my favorite um nice. jimmy hendrix you know big influences in the beginning and it really just got me and uh my, actually the bassist in my band dan cassio it got me and him started on the acoustic guitar and uh the first song we really started was uh, over the hills and far away by led zeppelin and it really nice. just put us on a war path, man. We just started learning everything. And uh, eventually, yeah, Dan picked up the bass, too. That was probably junior year of high school, man. So probably almost six years ago. Wow. So you guys have known each other for a while then. Yeah, man. That was like 2015. We probably have known each other since like 2012. Wow. That's really cool. And you started performing it live or? Yeah, we honestly, we started performing right Right around when college started, honestly, that's when really because there was just so many opportunities to uh, perform right. it, whether it be parties, you know, or just like hanging out with friends jamming. But we had been jamming together since the beginning, you know, obviously learning everything that we had learned. We were just ready to play with each other <laughs> right from the start. Nice. And so when did all the other members come into the band? So, yeah, really, the only other member is our drummer, Mike, and uh, he came into the equation very early on as well. I, we actually, I played hockey in high school, and Mike was mm-hmm. on the hockey team with me. He's a grade younger than me and Dan, and uh, we've always been friends, so it just worked out the way that it did. Mike played drums, and he just came along. <laughs> That's awesome. And you guys have, like, similar influences, all three of you? Oh, yeah, definitely, man. We're all really into right now. Uh, especially me and Mike, we're into the soul type of stuff. Dan is down the shore for the summer, so he always gets into reggae influences in the summer, you know, like acoustic-y stuff. And, but uh, me, and, nice. me and Mike really love our soul music, man. It, it's absolutely <laughs> it's, it's wonderful. Really getting into Marvin Gaye, you know, really just getting deep into those catalogs and just finding what, what you, we can and trying to utilize it. Nice. What do you think about uh, that kind of soul music? What do you think – What's a, what is it about those songs that really – captures captures your attention oh man it's all about the feel honestly Uh, like Mm. you can you can rip a guitar solo at any speed or any type of solo. you know that that being said but it's all about how you make a person feel and it's how you make the listener feel upon you know upon review and uh that's what i think it's all about like someone who really hits the mark on that is quincy jones that i could think of i've been listening to a lot of him too man like just like songs like 100 Ways by him, like the synth mm-hmm. solo at the end of that, man. Oof, 
just invokes feeling. <laughs> it evokes feeling, you know, you just want to listen. Or like I just the it. two of us, Grover Washington, yeah. Bill Withers, man, that sax solo at the end. Shoo. Can't <laughs> beat it, man. Can't beat it. <laughs> I love it. I love it. All right. We got question mark band here on Snacky Tunes. What's the first song you're going to play for us, man? Uh, Feel So Lonely. It is a song we actually recorded at the Rowan studio back uh, last fall. Nice. All right. Here we go on Snacky Tunes. process you guys have like very similar influences so how does the writing process start for your band so for us where it really begins um i've been studying like theory harmony and uh, just a ton of writing and scoring over the past mm -hmm. year especially with my um major jazz performance so it really comes back to that so i basically write most of the harmonies and lyrics and then it just comes down to um the other members putting in their piece you know uh i really present to them a really probably raw version of the track you know uh mm -hmm. whether it be on an acoustic guitar if i have my electric and then it really just comes down to us jamming something out and hashing something together that we really nice. all love yeah nice where, where do you think uh your lyrical inspiration comes from Oh, sheesh, man. Uh, definitely, I'd say, definitely the music that I listen to, the music that I have listened to, um, a lot of it comes from, you know, influences in classic rock. It comes from definitely 
just from poetry. I've been like reading a lot of Robert Frost too. Yeah, like that's ah. that's what I'm big into this summer. It's funny because the summer is extremely hot and I landscape almost every day. But uh, <laughs> I've been reading Robert Frost at night, and he's talking about the cold Northeast, and I'm just like, yes, I love it. Wow, that's fascinating poetry. Yeah, man. Um, and what about like from a, from an emotional perspective? Like, what do you like to talk about in your songs? So I really uh, dove into researching Jim Morrison. Like what I was saying with that poetry thing, someone who I've definitely been reading into was him just because he has such like he has uh, poetry books that you can buy and read. And I've just been doing that and getting a lot of influence from him. And he likes to write about nature. So I've really been taking that into account. I've been taking obviously all my songs probably have a backbone bluesy feel so it comes mm. down to writing about the women too you know nice so it really just it, but i would say it really is mostly based on nature and just trying to create harmony nice i like it so with covid going on everybody's basically been in quarantine mode for the last couple of months now what's that been like for a jam band you know oh man we've been struggling i'll tell you that but (laughs) you know it's it's different because there's so many situations that are going on that we don't even feel like we have to be putting out content right now because Mm -hmm. there's other things that people need to listen to in the world there's other things that people need to hear and as as a jam band there's a time and a place as, as with anything, you know, we don't need to be posting on Instagram every week about how we're getting together and jamming, you know, mm-hmm. whether we are mm-hmm. or not. You know what I mean? There's other things mm-hmm. in the world that people need to be listening to. There's crises going on in Yemen. There's social injustice. You know, there's systemic racism in our society mm-hmm. and it all needs to be addressed. And and that's why we've been relatively silent over social media, too, because it's just not our place to even speak, you know. Makes sense. So we just makes sense. Yeah. But besides yeah, that, you know, no. we've been doing our thing. You know, we just been getting together, jamming. You know, uh, we wrote an album, so we're just trying to record that by the end of the summer Excellent. and get that out for the people and uh, everyone who's been sticking with us. We really, really appreciate because we know we've been relatively silent, but um, we got a lot of big things coming, and we're really excited for the future. Man, I love it. That dude. That was a great answer, just so you know. <laughs> thank you, um, thank you. <laughs> Here we are again. Um, that's great. What's the next song you're going to play for us? Yeah, I was thinking about playing one called um, Take Me Away. It's actually uh, also going to be the single that we released prior to the album. And uh, it's going to be accompanied with the uh, acoustic unplugged that many of you may have heard already. Uh, it's on our YouTube as well. If you check that out, it's question mark band. And uh, yeah, it's a great tune. We love it. <laughs> love it. Take me away on Snacky Tunes. One, two, three, four.
come and go, baby. Why can't you stay? Say you never leave me, darling. Then you go away. So what, uh, what's the live scene looking like now? You know, COVID's going on, quarantine, everything's kind of slowly opening back up. What's, what's it been like? Yeah, man, it's good. Uh, something that my band has been trying to do in the past that we're hoping to do again in the future, we've been like hosting shows too, trying to become a more DIY type of scene down in Glassboro. And it went Love well. That. We threw our first one back in December and the reception was great. We had three acts come out, a uh, well-known band, that I'm also a part of, uh, Damien C. It was a great mm-hmm. act. He came, tore the house down. Everyone loved it. He's out in Cali right now. Shout out to Dame. Can't wait to see him <laughs> again, man. <laughs> nice. When was that? That was December? Yeah, man. We got, uh, also, the other uh, artist, before I forget, Fonz the Don, man. He, uh, he came out, rocked the house, too. He's a rap artist, man. He's great. Nice. Got to shout so him a very out. Diverse, a very diverse kind of um, lineup there. Oh, we'd love to bring everyone in. That's the thing. Like, we're, we, we, we play our music, but, you know, if you hear Dame's recordings, he's more surf rocky. Uh, I play live shows with him at Stone Pony all the time. And, uh, oh, dude, nice. Yeah, man. And it's so fun. Like, his, his songs are just great, man. They're catchy. And Fonz's songs, they're on a whole nother level. That, that kid raps words around my head, and I'm just, ha- <laughs> it's, it's insane. You got to hear him, man. I'll send you some of his tracks. Dude, totally. Big shout out to those two. Yeah, man. They're great. Oh, it's so funny because like Stone, the Stone Pony is like the perfect place for surf rock. Oh, I know. It's so funny, man. The crowds always love it too. Damn, it's su- such a John Mayer-esque vibe too. It's so great. Nice. But the live scene down in here in South Jersey, it's mostly consists of like breweries, you know, bars mm. that want us. Or uh, house shows, even some some of them are like because I'm down here in South Jersey, so we have a lot of socially distanced house shows out in the woods in the middle of nowhere, and like people will hire a rock band to come jam out for a couple hours. Nice. So of, it's like, still been going on. So oh it's yeah. Still been like you still been it's able just, to play. It's just starting back up. That's the thing. Like this month has really been nice. the beginning of it. Yeah, because this month has really just been the beginning of everything. Like a lot of outdoor shows and stuff, or oh, outdoor yeah. seatings. Yeah, definitely outdoor seatings. Yeah, next month Dude. it'll probably be even better too because uh, with the graduation and everything, I'm sure there'll be a ton more people down in Glassboro. Nice. And uh, what's next for you guys? You said you're gonna work on an album over summer. Yeah, man. If we, uh, you know, the thing is, I also just picked up. Uh, I broke the bank a little bit and spent a quick grand <laughs> on the Apollo Twin X yesterday. 
So Excellent. I've been, uh, yeah, I was working on getting that integrated into my lineup. And uh, if if not, if nothing else, just uh, keep recording a little bit higher quality demos on this now. And then, uh, you know, just keep shopping them around and hoping to find um, some studio time soon and then get that booked away. And then, yeah, get this thing out there to it. the people. <laughs> I love it. Yeah, dude, uh, there's some pretty cool amp sims on the on the uad so sometimes oh, dude i've been yeah. the marshall flexi was my favorite already yesterday <laughs> man i was That's trying so the Fender tweed one too came with some great ones right off the bat Oh, that's so funny you said the Marshall because my buddy who I had mentioned this to said the mm-hmm. exact same thing. He loved the Marshall on that. Dude, it's it's just a killer amp and they just give it to you. I was like, okay, now I feel better about spending the thousand on it. Plugins <laughs> 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 alone. Some great oh, colors, some great limiters too, I think. I think they mm-hmm. came with a limiter, yeah. And you know, good EQs too. I, I was looking forward to that because I only had I had been using just the the one that came with the uh, Scarlet interface mm-hmm. that I had bought a couple of years ago, and I was like, "This is good, but it's definitely better." <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the UAD is just a beast, man. They're yeah, awesome. man. I, as soon as I plugged it in yesterday, I could tell because I was just like, "Okay, <laughs> <laughs> okay." It's so right, cool well- too because I have a home studio and I could just uh, plug right in and then talk input into my. Uh, Mike, instead of screaming at the person from two rooms over now, <laughs> it, was, it was the best, man. <laughs> that is awesome, dude. You're getting it going. I love it. Yeah, man. Where, where can uh, again. Of course. Where, where can people find you? Uh, so right now I'm under Kyle Horner on Spotify, YouTube, and basically everywhere else. But uh, if you want to find three question marks, band, we're at three underscore question underscore marks underscore band on Instagram. And we are at three question marks band basically everywhere else. And we will be putting out our debut album on streaming services and everywhere else uh, coming soon in the fall. Awesome. Awesome. Three question mark band. I love it. What are you taking us out with? Can you say that again? Sorry, I didn't catch that. Oh, which which song are you going to take us out with? Let's do Need Your Lovin'. Love it. All right. Thanks for joining us on Snacky Tunes, man. See ya.
We talk about food. We talk about music with musical dudes. Finger on the pulse, snacky tunes. Snacky tunes is powered by Simplecast. Thanks for listening to Heritage Radio Network, food radio supported by you. Keep in touch at heritageradionetwork.org/slash subscribe.